0: Hey there, Cowboy fans. Welcome to the Unbiased Podcast on America's team. I'm your host, Austin Smith, and joining me as always is Coach Ty Rogers, one of our analysts over at Pigskin Nut and a lifelong Cowboy fan, and we are the Big D Beatdown, and we're brought to you today by PigskinNut.com, the soon-to-be undisputed king of football news and podcasts. Whether you're in your car, taking a break from work, or just relaxing at the house, it's always better to be doing so while you're getting your football fix. We break down players on our pro football scouting show, as well as tackle some of the most current and controversial topics on our football round table we discuss some of the all-time greats on our show wide right and put out exclusive shows on some of your favorite nfl teams such as the giants eagles browns broncos chiefs steelers and of course your dallas cowboys make pigskin nut your ultimate source for football news and podcasts if you want quality football analysis with independent, uh, independent opinions from people who know and understand the x's and o's of the game head on over to pigskin nut remember guys pigskin nut for those crazy about football all right coach ty uh Another episode of the Big D beatdown today and we are going to be focusing on the coaching change and more importantly some of the players that could benefit and also be hurt by the coaching change because obviously we are going to see uh, some scheme changes especially along that dif- on the defensive side of the ball going to be some uh, you know some def- some technique changes on the defensive front uh, there's going to be a lot of guys that fit the old scheme that may not fit the new one. There may be some guys that were having trouble fitting the old scheme that may be falling into place in this new one. Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see some of the players that uh, that 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 fit what Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore and Mike Nolan want to do on you know w- with their particular units. It's going to be very, very interesting to see some of these younger players that we have continue to develop and how many of them fit. Coach Ty, I'm going to go ahead and start with you, sir. Um, And let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Like I say, guys, Kellen Moore is back. Uh, Mike McCarthy, obviously, is still probably going to have, you know, some say in the offensive strategy. But Kellen Moore and him are going to be putting their heads together and while we haven't gotten many details we are expected to um to probably move a little bit more in the direction that Kellen Moore was moving in last year. Last year we saw a lot of things that were new with the RPOs with more pre you know more pre-snap movement and stuff like that. I would expect to see more of that getting further away from some of the Lenahan stuff. Having said that coach Ty give me one player that you think is really going to benefit from the coaching change this year on the offensive side of the ball.
1: I think that the most obvious person when we talk about a continuation in the direction of what Kellen Moore has done offensively with the Cowboys, uh, in 2019 is Blake Jarwin. Uh, you you got a guy who is much like the tight ends in the league that are the most productive at this point. Um, you know, uh, Travis uh, Khaleesi up in, in uh, um, you know, Kansas City. And, uh, you know, he's that type of, of receiver. He's got the ability to you know, be a big play guy. He's got great hands. Um, he's going to be somebody that will be the type of flex guy that Mike McCarthy has used in the past um, to, you know, be kind of the security blanket for Dak Prescott. Um, I think that a lot of times this year um, we were, uh, you know, as fans and particularly you and I also talked about how many times, you know, you'd see a, a bootleg or, or some type of, you know, a rollout pass with Dak, which we always thought was a great idea. But the, you know, receiving end of that, uh, you know, that first option was, was always ended up being Jason Witten and we couldn't figure out why. Um I think that Blake Jarwin steps into that role regardless uh, you know, of what else happens here with the offense, um, and he now becomes that number one target across the middle, that number one target on a bootleg, a number one target on a screen, um, and you know he is going to greatly benefit from that as far as numbers, but most importantly, he's going to become a really big play threat uh, for the Cowboys under McCarthy. Uh, McCarthy has a, a history of having very productive tight ends uh, in Green Bay. And, you know, I, I think that that's going to continue with the situation here. Uh, I think that they're the type of guys that McCarthy likes to really get involved in the offense. And I think that Blake Jordan's ready for that. I mean, uh, you know, the, we can't stress how unselfish he was in, in the whole Jason Witten situation. Nothing against Jason Wynn. I mean, you know, we have a lot of respect here for the big – D B at the big DB now for Jason Wynn what he's done, and, and even his, you know, coming back last year and really wanting to, to be a contributor and the, doing the good things that he did do. But Blake Jarwin could have really had an attitude about it and did not um, because, quite frankly, he's a better athlete of the two. And this year, I think it's his time. Uh, he's going to be the first and probably biggest beneficiary – of this offense continuing to evolve into a more wide open uh, four wide receiver flex look, uh, which is what McCarthy I believe is going to bring the table with Kellen Moore, and so yeah, I see him being the biggest beneficiary in the skill set uh, for McCarthy's uh, you know becoming the the head coach of this football team.
0: You know, I, and, and, and you and I talked about a pre-show that's, I, I think you hit the nail right on the head. That was both our guy, Blake Jarwin, you know, a guy that just should absolutely thrive. And you know what, a guy that could get involved in the RPO as Kellen Moore expands that part of the playbook more too, you know, yes, receivers are usually the beneficiary of the passing side of the RPO. However, there are plenty of looks out there that involve a, involve a tight end over the middle with RPOs. A lot of especially guys like Blake Jarwin who can get down the seam fast, can get over the top of the linebacker's fast. You know, Blake Jarwin I I absolutely think not just from from the addition of Mike McCarthy and like you say he's he's always seemed to have productive tight ends. Usually they've been on the receiving side of things. They haven't been your more um you're more balanced guys like a Jason Witten. No, they've been, you know, and, and Jimmy Graham didn't play there long for him, but but they've been guys like that. They've been guys that could stretch the field, you know. And and I really do think um, and 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 you go back to some of the older days, you know, so the Jeremiah Finley days, uh, and guys like that. It, it, we just we we know the Green Bay Packers are are going to use a or, or their old school technique with Mike McCarthy, their old school playbook had a, a tight end like like a Blake Jarwin and and like I say you know you think think back to the Jer- Michael Finley's think back to the Jared Cooks uh and even Jimmy Graham there for a little bit toward the end of his career I mean that's what they're looking for they're looking for the big receiver the the you know the the, t- the move tight end if you will and I absolutely think that he could thrive in this and you know uh on that note, I- I'll be excited to see how the Cowboys value Blake Jarwin because he's a restricted free agent. I mean, yes, you can tender him, give him a one year deal, and you know, and watch him explode next year and command top dollar. You know, you mentioned Travis Kelsey, you you mentioned uh, you know a big tight end. I mean, I- I'm not saying Blake Jarwin's gonna command that type of money, but we're seeing it. The George Kittles, the Travis Kelseys, guys like that, Zach Ertz, these guys are raising the bar when it comes to contracts for tight ends. And and we're liable to see that continue to happen the more these tight ends get taken, you know, advantage of in, in these types of uh, offenses. So Blake Jarwin could absolutely have a breakout season and then all of a sudden you're looking at the at what the price tag is gonna be now. And it's just, it's, it's so much more than what, what, what it could have been a year ago. So I'll be interested to see how the Cowboys attack that contract. Are we just going to tender him or, Hey Blake, wh- why don't we get a, a, a three-year deal done now? You know, a three-year deal's not, you know, uh, not a, you know, a, if you do explode, it's not like you're going to be screaming about it, you know, long-term. I mean, yes, uh, you'll have exploded in the first year of that deal, you know? year two you'll have su- sustained it and then by that point you know you've got leverage because you're in the final year of your deal you want a, an extension that maybe is more suitable to what you're getting paid and all this is best case scenario of course this is all assuming Blake Jarwin indeed has the kind of impact we think he can have in a Mike McCarthy Kellen Moore offense but I mean it, it, I I think the Cowboys would be smart to say hey Blake Jarwin screw the tender why don't we why don't we get you locked into a three-year deal right now that would be very very beneficial for both sides it gets Blake Jarwin paid which he hasn't been to this point as an undrafted free agent hasn't gotten a lot of chunk uh, a lot of change this guy's gonna you know it, it gets him compensated nicely over the next three years and it gives the Cowboys a little bit of uh Room to breathe knowing that, hey, a breakout season may not end up costing us a ton in the end. So Blake Jarwin, a, a, a terrific, uh, terrific way to start. I'm going to go with a guy that, you know, it's funny because Blake Jarwin and 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 this guy were two of our breakout candidates last year. And, and mine was, you know, Michael Gallup, you know, another guy that uh, and, and he did. He had a breakout season for the Cowboys this year. Thousand yard season. Um. the The reason I do believe Michael Gallup can thrive, and it, 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 it's not just the addition of Mike Mike McCarthy. It, it's once again th- them retaining Kellen Moore and another year further into Kellen Moore's philosophies. RPOs, guys. RPOs. Mean you have to be able to be a solid route runner because at the end of the day, if the ball is going to be thrown, it's because you're the the guy helping to the inside of it has committed to the run that basically puts you one on one with the corner on your side of the field, whether he's in man coverage or not. So in that particular situation. You've got to have a guy that can really get open in his routes so that a quarterback can trust because the second he pulls that ball out of the running back's stomach, he, uh, there's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. It's going into the air in your direction. There's not more than one or two receivers in the progression in this particular situation. You can't turn and try and fire to somebody else. By that time, offensive linemen are down the field. They didn't know you didn't hand the ball off. They're down the field. Now you've got ineligible receivers downfield. It is literally a hand the ball off or pull it and throw to that one receiver now type of thing. So you have to have a receiver that you trust to get open, a receiver that you trust to get across that DB's face. And that is something Michael Gallup has proven he can do, even going back to his rookie season when we didn't do much RPO stuff. You know, in breaking routes, Michael Gallup has proven that, yes, that is something I'm extremely reliable at getting across that DB's face. So, the RPO side of it, yes, I expect RPOs to expand under Kellen Moore for a second straight year. And I think that Michael Gallup is going to be one of the biggest b- beneficiaries in this passing game, if not the biggest beneficiary in that regard. Now, having said that, a Mike McCarthy offense. Will be this? It'll be if if he brings some of those Greenberry principles to the table. You are going to see a guy that attacks the full field in a a, a a higher variety of ways than we've seen in the past. It's not to say that the Cowboys haven't attacked the full field. That we haven't thrown down the deep middle, down the deep si- uh, deep sidelines, in the intermediate routes. It's not to say the Cowboys haven't done that. But they've been a little bit more predictable in the way they've done it. When you attack the deep sidelines, it's usually with a perimeter receiver. When you attack the deep middle of the field, it's usually with it's usually been with some form of motion. With a deep receiver, it hasn't necessarily always been that much with the tight end. Jason Witten was, you know, was not always a guy that you sent down the middle of the field a ton. Yes, we did it on occasion, but with a guy like Blake Jarwin, I mean, we could see him catch two or three balls over the middle of game down the deep middle of the field, getting over those linebackers while two deep safety split, And now, boom, you're hitting him in strides right up the middle of the field. We, we didn't see a ton of that in the past. We didn't see a ton of the slot being used down the deep middle of the field uh, in the past. We saw more of it this last year with Randall Cobb. I expect that to to grow even more as well. Didn't necessarily see perimeter receivers making a lot of these short crossing routes. You know, or getting the ball on these short crossing routes. A lot of times it was the Cole Beasley's. A lot of times it was you know the tight ends in the flat or the running backs out of the backfield. Wasn't always Amari Cooper's and Michael Gallup's running the short crossing routes from a perimeter position, by the way. I'm not talking about the bunches or the motion amends. There's a lot of different ways you can attack the full field, you know, than the Cowboys have shown over the years. Having said that, Michael Gallup is a guy that can take care of all take, take advantage of all that. This is not a guy that's got any issue running those short drag routes over the middle. He's not afraid to get hit. He's a physical player. He's not afraid to have a linebacker shove him as he crosses his face. He plays with good play strength. Michael Gallup can do that. We could take advantage of Michael Gallup on those short crossing routes. We know what Michael Gallup has uh, to offer on the intermediate routes. We know what he has to offer down the deep sideline. But Michael Gallup is a guy that can attack all three levels of the field. And that is something I expect Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy to get together and take advantage of. That's why that's why I've got Michael Gallup as my guy that can continue to benefit. And 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 folks, you know, there's a lot of talk about contracts here, you know, this Dallas Cowboys offseason. Dak Prescott, Samari Coopers, Byron Joneses. I just mentioned Blake Jarwin a little bit. We talked on our, our past show about um about free agents possibly bring him back about guys like Robert Quinn, Anthony Brown, so on. Um, but we're, let's not forget about future contracts. Michael Gallup is going to be due a contract as soon as next offseason, but it's a four year deal. So we've got at most two years left with him before he has to get an extension or a franchise tag. If he continues to develop the way he has, he might price himself into a a, a number one target money. That could be very scary for the Dallas Cowboys. That's something they have to be considering right now. Do we pay Amari Cooper money or do we look at a guy like Michael Gallup and trust that he'll continue to develop and he'll be that guy? Coach Ty and I talked about it before this show. There is a ton of young wide receivers in this draft to where if you think Michael Gallup could be that one, you could be enticed to let Amari Cooper walk and pick up a guy that can be a, a two or a guy that could be an equal presence with Michael Gallup in the passing game. Very, very interesting how that could work out. But Michael Gallup is a future contract that you you, you can't forget about. And I expect if he has the kind of uh, season next year under Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore for a second year that he can have, that that contract's going to be a lot bigger than we thought it was going to be. Coach Ty, what are your feelings on Michael Gallup in this offense?
1: I think that with Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore, um, having the ability to really develop a big play-wide receiver um, much more frequently than, than in the, the Jason Garrett system. I think that Michael Gallup is definitely the guy who's going to benefit the most um, because, you know, we all expect for Mark Cooper to be signed, um, and we know where coverage is going to roll, at least, you know, initially off the bat you know, with a Mark Cooper being healthy. Um, That's going to leave him in a lot of one-on-one situations. And if you followed McCarthy at Green Bay, um, you can look at the way that they use their receivers. And there's always going to be that guy who's going to get that single coverage. And he is going to be the guy that is the biggest recipient of, you know, uh, quite frankly, the amount of balls that will be thrown to somebody uh, that McCarthy, you know, wants uh, you know Dak Prescott to be looking for in those type of situations. Um, you know the Green Bay offense with Aaron Rodgers you know, it was a big play offense. And, you know a lot of people think West Coast and they think you know uh, that's you know McCarthy was you know kind of a dink and dunk type coach, but if you look at the amount of big plays within that system, uh, you know that was definitely uh, one of the bigger parts of what McCarthy does. And with Kellen Moore and being even more comfortable with Michael Gallup in that role. Uh, for you know now a really a third year, um, I can't imagine that he's not going to get you know more and more and more targets w- between the two of them, and maybe even most importantly, okay. if Dak Prescott has the capability, which you know we we questioned this all year long under we Jason here. do you he have the capability to check off and throw the ball over there when there's one-on-one coverage, or was it just something that was designed? It looked like. It was something that was part of the offense early in the year when Kellen Moore seemed to have more control over things. But then as J.C. Garrett kind of flipped things back, it ended up that he was kind of a non-factor. Um, so I'm thinking that Mike McCarthy is going to look at the, the film of where Dallas was successful on offense last year and go, OK, the most successful times on this offense are when, you know, Michael Gallup had a one-on-one situation because covers being rolled you know, to a mark Cooper's side and was able to, you know, uh, Dak Prescott was able to catch the ball, literally catch it, turn, and throw, and, you know, hit him for a big play down the sideline. Uh, So, yeah, I definitely think that Michael Gallup is going to benefit from the coaching change, but most importantly, Michael Gallup is going to develop another year in that role with Dak Prescott having more of a green light, and that is going to make his numbers increase and really make him somebody that, like you said, is going to be primed for, you know, a contract that's going to be much bigger than what he had, you know, as far as when you looked at when he came to the league, what he was supposed to be. Uh, He could be looking at top receiver money uh, after this year if things go well.
0: Yeah, you know, and and something you mentioned about, you know, developing into a top wide receiver uh, or a number one target, there's a lot of different ways teams choose, To implement a number one target. Uh, If the Cowboys for quite some time with Des Bryant, Des Bryant was implemented as a number one target with a quantity with, with his quantity in, 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 in targets, how many times they threw him the ball, how many times they made him an early progression in the, in the play format. You know, it, 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 and, and that's a way to do it. Yes, we feature him in our offense. That makes him a number one target. In other ways, the way to develop a number one target is to enhance the amount of opportunities he, uh, or enhance, uh, uh, I, be, I beg your pardon, enhance the amount of areas on the field that he can attack. That's what we're likely to see in this. You know, the Green Bay Packers in the past have not. Force-fed Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, guys like that. Go back to the Greg Jennings and Donald Driver days and stuff like that. They have not force-fed the ball to anybody. They have continued to incorporate them in a multitude of ways, attacking all different levels of the field. That is how they've developed their number one receivers. That is what I could see them doing with Michael Gallup because of his skill set. They could do it with Amari Cooper, too, by the way. I'm not saying they can't. I just expect Michael Gallup, you know, because he's still young, he's still growing, he's still developing at the NFL level, I expect... That him to be the one that that really could benefit from a team that wants to develop a receiver in that way. Not with force feeding in targets, but with moving him all over the field. Asking him to run as many different routes as he can and succeed in them, giving him that many more opportunities to, to have successes on all three levels of the field. We're going to go ahead and take a break now. When we come back, we're going to get into some of the offensive players that we think will not necessarily benefit from a Mike McCarthy offense or a Kellen Moore offense at that. We'll do all that when we get back here on the Big D Beatdown. And we are back here on the Big D Beatdown. I'm your host, Austin Smith, joined as always by Coach Ty Rogers. And we are talking about the Dallas Cowboys roster and some of those players that may be benefiting or may not benefit from the changes that we've seen on the coaching staff. Now, we just got done talking about Blake Jarwin and Michael Gallup, two guys that we fully expect to continue to develop and to benefit greatly from Mike McCarthy coming into this uh, organization as well as Kellen Moore coming back into this organization. Now let's talk about some of the guys that, uh, that we think won't necessarily benefit from the change of the coaching staff. And I'm not just necessarily with Mike McCarthy's addition or Kellen Moore's return, but we're also talking about the, you know, Joe Philbin as the offensive line coach, Adam Henry as a receiver coach, Lunda Wells as the new tight ends coach, as well as skip Pete returning to this team as a running backs coach it, it it could be a variety of reasons that a guy maybe just doesn't have the same success with a new position coach or a new offensive coordinator or a new play caller based on what they had you know in the past. Coach ty, I'm gonna swing it your way. Give me a guy that you really think uh you know that, that maybe you know is is probably going to see maybe. A downtick in their progression or development, or better yet, just flat out, you know, isn't necessarily going to fit what, what this team's going to be doing moving forward on the offensive side of the football.
1: Well, this is going to shock a lot of people, and you and I talked about this pre-show, and, you know, the I'm going to put an asterisk by it when I say it, but Ezekiel Elliott may be the first person that doesn't benefit from Mike McCarthy being the, the head coach. Now, we're all in agreement. Anybody who watches the Cowboys is in agreement that Zeke Elliott is one of the most important parts, if not the most important part of this offense. But Mike McCarthy is not the type of offensive system guy that's going to line up like like Scott Linehan did in the past with Jason Garrett, and even more so this year as time went on in a lot of three tight end sets and a lot of, you know, just kind of, you know, ground and pound type looks and give Zeke Elliott the ball in, you know, 30, 40, 50 times a game. It's just not what he's ever done as a head coach. Um, He had some decent running backs in Green Bay, but they were never at that volume of rushing. Um, And, you know, we've spent a lot of money as an organization the Cowboys have you know, more than 40% of your payroll with Zeke Elliott uh, and the offensive line to make the Cowboys a dominant running football team. But that does not mean that every carry and every number has to necessarily go into Zeke Elliott's hands. Um, you know, I saw an article the other day uh, in the Dallas Morning News talking about uh, Mike McCarthy's first impressions of Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard and his comments on that situation was that Tony Pollard needs to get the ball more. Um, You know, When he comes down to brass tacks, that's what he said, that he loves Zeke. Zeke is definitely going to be fed, but Tony Pollard needs to be a bigger part of this offense. Um, Generally, with what Green Bay has done and looking at what Mike McCarthy's done in the past, that means more two-back sets with them together. It means that Zeke Elliott plays more of a decoy and that Tony Pollard probably gets a lot more uh, jet sweeps, screens, those type of things. And that's going to take away from some of the numbers that Zeke Elliott has had in the past. He may not be the rushing champion or threatening to be the rushing champion every single year if the pattern holds with Mike McCarthy as, a, as the offensive, and we're not actually the offensive coordinator, but the offensive uh, you know, head coach. Uh, that's something that may change. Now, does that mean that Zeke Elliott is not going to get the football? Absolutely not. Because, again, the Cowboys have spent over 40 percent of their payroll to make sure that when he does get the football, that he is running behind one of the best offensive lines, if not the best offensive line in football, and that when they need to do so, that they can run the football, run the clock out, and defeat an opponent. But there's not going to be that run-first mentality that Scott Linhan had. And there certainly isn't going to be the default. We're not. We're struggling, so let's go into a three tight end set and pound the ball until we get better. Mike McCarthy's never shown that as a head coach. And that may mean that Zeke Elliott is no longer that guy who's going to get 35, 40 carries a game all the time. And he's certainly not going to be the default answer when the Cowboys are struggling, according to the patterns that we've seen. Now... I'm sure that you know the personnel staff here is going to have a lot to say about that. But Mike McCarthy is also supposed to have a lot of uh, say in what happens with the personnel on this team going forward. So we'll see how that goes. But he might be somebody who really is going to see a difference in the way that he's used. Not necessarily negatively, but differently than what we've seen here with Jason Garrett. Yeah, and and
0: like you said, Coach Ty, you and I talked about this pre-show, and and this was the overwhelming guy that we thought could benefit that, that could take a step backwards based on the Mike McCarthy hire and Kellen Moore. Like I said, getting into Kellen Moore's playbook for a second year, getting further into it and his offensive philosophy. First and foremost, this. Mike McCarthy, I, I, and, and I, I'm saying this off the top of my head, I, I, I am almost 100% certain Mike McCarthy has never had a rushing champ in his time in Green Bay. And, and you know what? Uh, somebody may be able to, to point out a, 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 maybe a year that I haven't remember, I can't remember, say, no, no, wait, Austin, there, there, there was a year. If that's the case, then you know, then right now this is just coming off the top of my head. However— I've never remembered a Green Bay running back in Mike McCarthy's time that even pushed for a rushing title. That's a bat step backwards, Cowboys fans. Whether, you know, whether, yes, it's, it's not a huge step backwards, but the idea that Zeke Elliott's days of entering the season as a favorite to lead the league in rushing, the idea that that could be gone, hey, that's a step back. That's something Zeke Elliott's never seen since he's been in the NFL. Ever since he stepped foot in the NFL, he's been one of the favorites to lead the league in rushing. Did it as a rookie. Convincingly as a rookie. Led the league in his second year in yards per game. If not for that six-game suspension, he is the lead. He, He most likely is the leading rusher in the nfl if he continued to average what he'd been averaging for 10 games there's no doubt about it he was third year leading rusher in the nfl this last year top five i mean it's uh, zeke Elliott has always been part of the you know the the rushing title conversation if he's no longer a part of that, it is a step backwards. Something else you mentioned, Coach Ty, that that Cowboys are gonna have to to remember that, you know, it, it may not necessarily be that Zeke's not getting the carries. When things are going good. But here's the thing guys. Think about the few times a year. And it didn't happen often. But there always seemed to be a couple of times a year. Where Cowboys fans just were on fire. Because man. We gave up on Zeke Elliott too early. Guys. That may become common practice. For the Dallas Cowboys. Think about that. Think about the possibility. Of a a first half. In which Zeke touches the ball 10 times maybe only has 20 or 30 yards, and they're done with it. Guys, hey, we're not going to continue to beat a dead horse. We are not going to stick with the run over and over and over until finally it works. But what's the old uh, the old adage, just like Novatain, give it give it time, it always works? Uh, guys, <laughs> that may no longer be the case in Dallas. We may not see that pound them in the first quarter, pound them in the second quarter, pound them in the third quarter, and then finally those big chunks start coming. That may not be the case. A lack of success in the running game in quarters one and two could lead to us abandoning it abandoning it in quarters three and four. We haven't seen that much. We have seen it, just not a bunch. That could be... The new game plan moving forward, like you said, that interview about him mentioning both Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. Zeke Elliott's receptions have just gone up and up and up every year. He's been involved more and more and more in the passing game. That there is a very strong chance that that goes bye bye. I you know obviously Jason Garrett and this this past staff's you know constant. You know, effort to continue to get the ball in Zeke Elliott's hands, continue to get in his hands. You know, we, we griped about it all year, Coach Ty. Why in the world isn't Tony Pollard touching the football more in some of these more creative situations? Jet sweeps, screens, you know, perimeter runs, things like that. You saw flashes of what this guy can do when he gets in the open field. There's no doubt about it. Tony Pollard is a talented football player when the ball is in his hands. And there's a lot of different ways. You can get the ball in his hands. Jason Garrett's tenure saw a lot of talk and very little action when it came to that gadget back getting involved. Gosh, I can't remember how many years. Lance Dunbar, guys, we're going to get him involved in the pass. We want to get him five to ten touches in the uh, game. And we would see games go by, sometimes a month go by, without Lance Dunbar hardly getting a touch. And then we hear the excuses. Oh well, it's funny because you get to the end of the game and you look back at you know this and that, and you look and gosh, you realize, man, we he, he kind of fell by the wayside. We forgot we you know we just kind of we had success in other areas and we didn't think to get him involved because of it. Guys, those days may be over. Those days I'm, I've got a good feeling are over. I do not envision Mike McCarthy being the type of guy that looks down at his play sheet. At the end of the game, it says, "Dadgum, we we sure didn't get uh, Tony Pollard involved, did we?" Yeah, we 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 kind of dropped the ball on that one. Ah, we'll have to get back to the drawing board on that one. We'll have to make sure that we we find a way to get him his touches. That might not be the case no more. Once again, the person who's going to benefit least from that, is Zeke Elliott. So you know, I that very you know that that that's that's very likely what's going to happen moving forward, and. I find that a little bit a little bit concerning on this part because when the Cowboys signed Mike McCarthy, and still now to this day, Dak Prescott is not a Dallas Cow he, he, or technically he is until the league year starts, but he is not locked into this franchise long term. Amari Cooper is not f- locked into this franchise long term. Michael Gallup, no, sir. Blake Jarwin, uh uh-uh. uh. These offensive linemen are locked in long-term. Zekio Elliott is locked in long-term. So it's hard for me to think about the kind of interview process that Mike McCarthy could have gone through in which the focus on his offense, are you sure that you can tailor an offense based on Zeke being your superstar running the football behind this offensive line? Because as of right now, that's the only long-term certainty we have contractually. That's where the money is spent. Yes, we plan to bring Dak Prescott back. Yes, we plan to bring Amari Cooper or Michael Gallup back. However, you know, none of that is signed in ink. Zeke Elliott's contract that 50 million guaranteed, that's signed. That deal has been delivered. Those linemen are under contract for quite some time. You know, I, I just, I find it hard to believe And Mike McCarthy has said that, Hey, you know what? At the end of the day, we will tailor a scheme based around the talent we have. That could bode well for Zeke Elliott, but the bottom line is this. Based on what Kellen Moore was, was doing last year, moving away from, you know, the constant, constant ground and pound three tight end sets, you know, uh, and, and based on Mike McCarthy's history, it tells us that that's probably not going to be the case moving forward. Coach Ty, let's go ahead and swap sides of the ball now. Let's go ahead and talk about that defense, and let's get back to some of the players that can benefit. Coach Ty, give me one defensive player that can benefit from Mike Nolan, from Coach Tom Sulu, the new defensive line coach, Coach Lindquist, the new secondary coach. Give me one guy that can benefit from this defensive, uh, this new defensive staff.
1: Well, you know, we we didn't talk about this pre-show, but we talked about it before. Um, the two franchise linebackers we've got, Van Jalen, if anybody can benefit from this swap, it, 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 who can most benefit from this swap, it is definitely, uh, you know, Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch. Because the biggest problem that they both had last year is they had not a clue what their responsibilities are. When you look at the film, you see how many inconsistencies there were in what they were thinking they were supposed to do in the system they were in. With Mike Nolan as a defense coordinator and with the very possible switch to a an odd front, they're going to be front and center. And they're going to have some very specific, very understood roles in this defense. And... Because of that, they're going to play faster. They're going to make more tackles. They're going to be able to cover less. And what I mean by that is, you know, we have seen that Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith can literally cover from hash to hatch, but they're not going to have to in this defense. They're going to have a much more structured understanding of what they need to do. Some of the concepts in the secondary are going to protect them and not expose them. And they're going to be able to be up against athletes that they are not overmatched by in coverage and be able to, you know, play against the past and be effective. And we saw that a lot in the first year of these two together. And I think it was only because they were just new and flying around and they weren't really thinking about things, even though the the, the weaknesses in the system were there. Um, but because they just were on fire all the time, they, they just their athletic ability made up for it in a lot of situations. Imagine having that same athletic ability with them both fully healthy, hopefully, this year, and a very defined understanding of what they're supposed to do. That right there could make a huge difference. And when I say huge, I mean The type of difference that makes the 2019 team that the Cowboys had definitely a a division champion Um, and maybe even a 10-win team going in the playoffs. Uh, It's good for two games or three games just by the fact that they won't be confused as to what they're supposed to do and play better. So I definitely believe that those two linebackers are going to receive the greatest benefit from this system. And hopefully it shows up very quickly, uh, in the regular season. Um, you know, hopefully first of all, late Van rush is healthy, but under that tutelage with, with Mike Nolan as a DC, they really are going to end up being, uh, having a chance to be the top linebackers in the division again.
0: Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I, I can spit off you know, spit out the names that that Mike Nolan has 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 had his hands on. I mean the Ray Lewis's, the Bart Scott's, Patrick Willis's, Navarro Bowman's, uh, just a a lot of talented linebackers that could that that have Mike Nolan to thank for for some of their best seasons. But the name I just I keep coming back to guys, Demario Davis. And for you know the average fan out there probably not going to know much about Demario Davis. I'll just fill you in on a little bit. He's never made a pro bowl before he's been a middle of the pro and, 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 and I, you know, maybe this is a little insulting, you know, to, to his career, but never been more than probably a middle of the road linebacker until Mike Nolan comes to town, comes to new Orleans last year. And suddenly he is first team all pro just like that guys. I can't say enough about what Mike Nolan is going to bring to Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch's world. And not just them, but the scheme itself. Getting those big boys in front of them. You know, a lot of times in the in the, in the Tampa 2 scheme, guys like Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch running free, being able to pursue cleanly to the football. Is based on the guys in front of them getting penetration. Well, you know, that's the thing. You know, if, if yes, penetration can be helpful. There's sometimes you can run yourself right out of a play. And suddenly Leighton Vanderish or or you know, Jalen Smith are looking right at a pair of offensive linemen, looking at a wall between them and the ball carrier. Neither one of them is built to play through offensive linemen that's not that's not in either one of their skill sets you could say oh well linebackers should be able to do that guys this is the nfl if you think you can find a player that excels in every single aspect of the game point him out to me i guarantee he's in the top one or two we've seen at his position in the past decade it's just not very often that you get a player that excels at every single aspect of a position. It's not Jay, Leighton Van Der and Jalen Smith, you know, r- running through offensive linemen, taking on blocks and getting off them quickly, that's just not something that fits their skill set. And that's something that happens quite a bit based on guys getting penetration, running themselves out of the play, or just flat out not being able to make the play in the backfield. And suddenly, your linebackers are, are dealing with a, a center or a guard in their face. This this situation, that's not going to be the case. These defensive linemen are going to take the fight to the li- to to the the player across from them. They're not attacking a gap; they're attacking a man. So that's that's going to be a change, and they're going to be bigger guys in this system ahead in front of them. So once again. Jalen Smith, Leighton Van Der Esch should, uh, I, you know, we, we didn't talk about this, but you're right. We've talked about this in the past a number of times. Uh, very good choice there, Coach Ty. When we come back, I'm going to get into a few of my choices, and we'll touch on a few that maybe we haven't mentioned uh, yet. Uh, I, 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 since Coach Ty took a duo, I'm going to take a duo too, and I'll do that when we get back here on the Big D Beatdown. And we are back here on the Big D Beatdown. I'm your host, Austin Smith, joined as always by Coach Ty Rogers. And we are talking about the coaching change and, as well as the rosters. Who are some of the players that are going to benefit by the coaching change? Who are some of the players that are going to probably take a step back thanks to the coaching change? And right now, we're on the defensive side of the football, and we are talking about some guys that benefit. And Coach Ty, I'm going to jump out on a familiar branch, one that I've fallen from. Once for Jordan Lewis and twice for Cheeto Beer. You would think I learned, but no. No, that's not going to be the case here, guys. Jordan Lewis and Cheeto Behouer could certainly benefit from a new defensive scheme. First off, and you and I talked about it last time in the last show, uh, coach linquist, first and foremost, we gotta teach. Chido Wuzier to have better awareness. We've got to get him turning his head and locating the football. You do that, and sir, you have earned yourself a home in Dallas. <laughs> That's just, it's just that simple. This is a guy that has exceptional athleticism, good size for the position. When he sees it, he's a completely different player. Problem is, he doesn't see it very well. I would expect Coach Link was to come in and he he, 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 he immediately try and change up some of the techniques that might help a guy like Cheeto Beawouzier do that better. Because Chris Richard didn't seem all that interested in Cheeto Beawouzier turning his head. Um Jordan Lewis, the other guy I mentioned, you know what? Guess what? That defensive, the, the the defensive back room that's had the six flag sign on the door that says you must be this tall to play on the perimeter, guess what? That sucker's getting torn down. We ain't going to have no more, oh, well, there's a prototypical size that, you know, that fits in my scheme. No, sir, the best two cover guys are going to play, and my money is on Jordan Lewis being one of them. I've always believed Jordan Lewis had a very good ability to cover. Very good short area quickness. A guy that, the you know, the time between his eyes seeing it and his feet putting it into motion is very quick. Jordan Lewis is a guy that could absolutely benefit from a coaching change. And you know what? I'm not sure it matters Who they're bringing in to make that happen just as long as this scheme that we tried with Chris Richard and did get results from certain players. Jordan Lewis was just the one that always seemed to get the raw end of the deal of that coaching swap. Well, now we've got a new one and I expect Jordan Lewis to, to, I mean, if, if we're being honest, if we're talking about the best two cover guys starting next year, whether Byron Jones is here or not, I expect Jordan Lewis to be one of the two starters. You and I talked about it as well. Coach Ty, about, um, going back to some of, uh, Mike McCarthy's preferences at green Bay. I know he's an offensive guy. He's also the head coach. His preferences carry weight. One of the preferences that we saw in Mike McCarthy's time in Green Bay was the preference, when he did go into his nickel, when he went into a 4-2-5, what kind of skill set that fifth player had. It's funny because we hear people talk about the 4-2-5 all the time. And it's like, well, but that, that that's such a broad generalization when you're talking about a defense. That fifth defensive back can be completely different based on who the defensive co- the coordinator is. It could be a short, shorter slot player like an Orlando Skandrick or a Jordan Lewis. It could be a third safety like a Jeff Heath who doubles down as a third linebacker in the situation which which happens a lot nowadays you look at what new england does look at what brian flores is is putting in 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 miami we saw it a couple of years ago with the the chargers ran a lot of 425 with a third safety especially when they took on uh baltimore in the playoffs Knowing that Baltimore was going to put multiple tight ends in the game but move them around, spread them out, and then once the change happens, we were going to start motioning those guys in and start running it. Guys, that happens more and more in the NFL. Pre-snap movement is one of the hotter trends right now in order to go from a passing formation to a running formation and vice versa. Flexible tight ends are a big part of, of why that's hitting right now in the NFL. Because of that, a safety with a Jeff Heath skill set. And I'm not talking about Jeff Heath verbatim. I know Cowboy fans right now are probably cursing me right now. I'm just talking about the skill set Jeff Heath has, where yes, he can be a, 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 a safety, but he can also help in the running game as a third linebacker. He basically is an undersized third linebacker. Could be that skill, you know, that that could be the fifth. Uh, defensive back in a 4-2-5. In Mike McCarthy's past in Green Bay, that fifth player was Charles Woodson. Now, having said that, Charles Woodson was a starter, but you know he was not the fifth defensive back being brought onto the field. However, he was the versatile skill set that they chose to bring in. A guy with a cornerback background, but a little bit more physical to be able to help against the run, to be able to come on blitzes, to be involved in the blitz. To be able to line up on a tight end or a nickel or or, or a slot receiver, they liked that as the fifth defensive back skill set. Well, guess what? Cheeto Obeyawuse fits that pretty well. Matter of fact, coming out of Colorado, that's the skill set I think many people thought he fit best. People said, "Oh, well, technically he could move to a strong safety position. He can play in the nickel uh, in, in the slot." Against slot receivers, he could cover tight ends. And yes, at Colorado, they occasionally sent him on the blitz. There was a lot to like about Cheeto Bayouzier playing a Charles Woodson-style role from when he was in Green Bay. Could benefit Cheeto Bayouzier or Cheeto immensely if that is what we choose to move forward with. Not exactly sure if that's going to be the case. I'm sure you know Coach Linkwitz and Al Harris. Are going to have the, be putting their minds together. Going to be getting with Mike Nolan on, hey, uh, you know, w- what do you want to do in those particular situations? That could v- very well benefit Cheeto Bayouzier, though. I truly believe that. And yes, that puts me on a familiar branch, out on that limb. But you know what? I, it's a. It, it is very possible when you're as talented as physically gifted as Cheeto Bayouzier is. There's always hope that things can get turned around with just a tweak, just a, a new presence, a change, anything that could get it turned around. Guys, I felt the same way about Maurice Claiborne. Hey, guys, maybe this is, you know, all it needs is that one year where he's healthy. All he needs is a change of scenery, a less toxic environment for him individually before he so he can finally live up to that potential. Guys, it, it, you know— It happens. There just aren't very many athletes out there that can match the way the 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 type of athlete that Cheeto Bayouzier is. I'd love to see that happen, Coach Ty. What are your thoughts on Jordan Lewis and Cheeto Bayouzier?
1: I think you hit the nail on the head. The fact that both of them could have a more defined role for what they're doing—that's going to to suit their talents and. You know, and I think also just an emphasis on technique as opposed to size, as opposed to, uh, you know, just raw athletic ability and coverage. Um, I think that that's going to benefit both of them. I think they've both got an opportunity to start and make an impact um, in this defense. And I think that both of them could be very uh, could could see a great benefit uh, from this coaching change because it gives them. A fresh start with some confidence uh, that has nothing to do with their size or whether or not uh, you know they happen to be have all the measurables that they need in order to play a position and like you said the, the creativity with you to be a being something that gives him the opportunity to not be consistently put in a situation where his weaknesses are exposed can make a great benefit for him and if he gains confidence He's got a chance to be an all-pro because he's got all the the physical ability to make it happen. Uh, I definitely think it's going to be a, a much better situation for them. Um, and, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, the secondary needs the greatest amount of help uh, you know, when it comes to 2019 Cowboys. And, again, I think a lot of it has to come down to definition. Everybody being on the same page, knowing exactly what to do, and having a specific role for them, not just – A plug and play because you happen to be X size and X height.
0: I I can't help but think back to uh, to the movie Forrest Gump. You know, he's playing football at Alabama, and you know, very simple. And he they tell him to run, he runs, and he don't stop running. And eventually, somebody was smart enough to give those fans in the end zone a big sign that said "stop." That way, he wouldn't just take off down the down the hall all the way to the locker room. At what, you know, Cowboys Nation, are we not coordinated enough to get people in the corner of each end zone with a big, big sign that you can put up the second that ball goes in the air that says, turn your head? I mean, come on now. Our Dallas Cowboys fan base, we've got to get a little bit more coordinated on that because that could help immensely. Cheeto Bay, hey, bud, run side-by-side side with him. Look right here. When the sign goes up, turn your head and find the football. We'll do it for you. Heck, we'll let you know when to turn your head, buddy. Force Gum signs. That's what we need for Cheeto Bay and Hey <laughs> No, uh, I, 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 I truly do hope. I truly do hope that I'm right about this because cornerback is such a difficult position to hit on. I mean, guys. Right now, it looks like Byron Jones might have played his last down in Dallas, and if not, that it may take something like the franchise tag uh, to be able to keep him here. I, I don't know what the long term scenario is going to be with that. First, they need to see what we need to see what happens with Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. But gosh, it just it troubles me to think that there's a strong possibility that at the end of the 2020 season, we could be looking for two. Solutions at cornerback. That's that's very troubling because, like I say, it is just not an easy position to hit on. It's it's such a demanding position that requires so many different skill sets. And like I say, nobody's got all of them. You have to find the guys that have the right combination of the right set of skills that can work for you. It's such a difficult position to hit on. Coach Ty, we're gonna swap sides now. Sticking with the defense, but this time I want, I want you to give me the name of a player that, that you really think uh, might be hurt by this coaching Jim.
1: Well, <laughs> it, we talked about this pre-show, and uh, whether or not I guess he's hurt is not necessarily the, the, uh, the measurement as much as whether or not he is any, at this point anywhere close to uh, being in a place where he can earn a role on this team. That's going to be Tristan Hill. Um, Tristan Hill was brought in by Rod Marinelli to develop into the type of defensive tackles he likes, uh, which are basically defensive ends that you put down as a defensive tackle uh, that are going to be penetrators. They're going to be guys who are going to, you know, basically try to do everything they can to get up the field and make tackles. Well, number one, he didn't develop into that, at least effectively this year. Number two, he didn't play a ton uh, on – you know, uh, uh, play a ton of of football because of his disciplinary issues, and number three, he just doesn't fit the Mike McCarthy idea, the Mike McCarthy scheme. Um, he's not a two gap guy. He has shown no ability to play those positions, and I just think that that probably spells the end of him in Dallas. Uh, I don't know how that's going to happen either. Um, you know, it would be great to kind of package him up with a couple other people and, and make a draft day move. To move up the board, but because of that, uh, you know, uh, performance last year, as you and I talked about, there are a lot of teams in the league that do not see him as the value uh, that we saw him as in the draft as a second round pick. So, uh, and uh, you know, that's a statement not necessarily just for him, but for a lot of the defensive line for the Dallas Cowboys. Anybody who is that one gap penetrator type in the interior of the defensive line. Uh, at this point they're in a little bit of trouble and uh, you know, we'll see how that ends up or if it's something that is modified uh, by Mike Nolan, but with uh, the Marad Marinelli idea of like, said, one gap penetration is just over here, particularly in the interior of the defensive line.
0: Oh, and, and yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. This was once again, one that you and I couldn't agree more on. Um, and I said it, I said, guys, you know, it, at this point, the debate for me is not whether or not Tristan Hill will ever, ever start a game for the Dallas Cowboys. It's whether or not he'll ever be on the active roster for the remainder of his the remainder of his tenure on the Dallas Cowboys. I, he just he's that undersized penetrator that that does fit what Rob Marinelli wants to do. Um, I, you know, it's easy to say that that was a disaster of a pick now. I was not a fan of it when we made it for a variety of reasons, many of which have come true. Um, obviously, you know, and 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 for, for me personally, being a draft guy, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. He was number 95 on my board. We picked him at 58. We picked him at 58. He was number 95 on my board. There were some people that felt different to me. I wasn't, you know, I, I, I was probably on the more common side of things. I know, you know... The the Todd McShay's and Mel Kiper's of the world didn't have him in the top hundred. Draft Network, the guys over there didn't have him in the top hundred. Neither did did Miller over at CBS. Pro Football Focus. I mean, a number of, of of the 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 boards. You know, from from some of the bigger media scouts didn't have that. I know um, Marcus Mosher. I think had him at seventy six. Gil Brandt had him at sixty eight. Um, I think maybe Daniel Jeremiah might have had him at sixty-seven. I know Dane Brugler, me and him talked about this. I think he had him in the seventies. I'm almost sure it was the earlier part of the seventies. Uh, didn't ever actually pinpoint that which where he had him. But the bottom line is, it was a reach at fifty-eight. There, there's, there's no matter what board you look at, there was a, it was a reach. Big reason it was a reach is because they just. Uh, they basically, you know, there were questions about his, his, uh, you know, him getting by more with raw talent than with technique. There were also questions about a coaching change in central Florida in which he did not start at his final year with the golden Knights, you know, didn't get along with coaches necessarily. Maybe the work ethic wasn't there. We saw some of those things come to light on top of that. You know, with with, with a defensive coordinator who, you know, with an entire coaching staff here in Dallas that drafted him as a project and we had no long-term commitment to. And I know that you want to trust a Rob Marinelli and you want to, and and we all believed that, you know, Jason Garrett, Rob Marinelli, Chris Rashard, 2019 was going to go well, and they were all going to be back in 2020. Maybe not everybody was on the Jason Garrett train, but they believed that, you know, that the Cowboys would have success in 2019 and that a good portion of that coaching staff would be back. And it didn't. The bottom line is, you know, now we've got a player that does not fit our system. We are not getting that second round pick back for him, not in a trade, not in nothing. I mean, it, it, you know, because some of the things that we worried about have come to fruition. They came true that first year, gotten some trouble showing up late him and Antoine Woods. He didn't dress again, you know, for that. Uh, couldn't get on the field because he was, you know, very, very raw. He has been a player that always gotten by on his physical capabilities. So, you know, Tristan Hill, absolutely, you know, and and Antoine Woods is probably another one. Woods may have a little better opportunity if if they do tender him an offer to uh, to to stick around. But but that'll be an interesting one. One guy I want to go ahead and note um, because I, I don't give him enough love before we wrap this show up. Uh, I'll say this much. Tyrone Crawford is a guy, because of his salary, I have tried my best to get rid of. Unfortunately, now I might be interested in keeping him around because if this scheme does change the way we're expecting to with a possible walk-down linebacker and a weak side defensive end that kicks inside a shade, Tyrone Crawford could be a perfect fit for that second defensive end spot across from Demarcus Lawrence. Could be a terrific fit. Another guy I want to throw out there that could benefit, Jalen Jelks, has played a very similar interior role at Oregon. Not necessarily the same su- affront, but the same techniques and principles of attacking the man and not the gap across from you. Jalen Jelks is a guy, yes, he didn't play for us at all his rookie year. That could be a guy who quietly has slipped into a scheme that fits what he did at Oregon. Now, I know a lot of people look at the size and build of him and say, oh, he's got to be an edge rusher. Guys, I'm not going to disagree with that by the looks of him. But the, te- the skills and techniques that he had coming into the NFL were not that of an edge rusher. It was more that of a five technique in a three-four scheme, which is what he played a lot at Oregon. And, yes, he rushed the edge sometimes in nickel, also rushed from the interior a lot of times in the nickel. His skill set could be a surprising, a a very surprising factor coming into training camp if he is indeed healthy. So Jalen Jelk's another one uh, that could possibly benefit. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up now here on the Big D Beatdown. Be sure and join us next time when we discuss some possible free agents uh, from other teams that could be uh, could be future Dallas Cowboys guys that we'd like to see them target uh, moving forward. There's always deals like Randall Cobbs, Robert Quinns that, uh, that work out in the Cowboys favor. We've, we've got a very good front office that not- that, that seems to, to pinpoint those types of guys has had plenty of success with it in the past. We'll talk about those types of players next time on the Big D Beatdown. And don't forget to visit us over at pigskinnut.com where you can find everything that we do on the Dallas Cowboys, whether it's our articles or our podcasts. If you want quality football analysis with independent opinions from people who know and understand the X's and O's of the game, be sure and head on over to Nut. Remember, guys, Nut for those crazy about football. Also, if you like what you hear, be sure and subscribe to our show on a variety of platforms. The Big D Beatdown is available in the Apple and Google podcast stores, as well as on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Casts, and Podbean. You just click the subscribe button on any of those sites, and they'll notify you every time we put out an episode. Also, be sure and search us out on social media. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. Search up the Big D Beatdown. We love to hear from the fans. For Coach Ty Rogers, I'm Austin Smith. Have a good one, Cowboy fans.